I'm looking on Wikipedia. It has the track listing for the soundtrack, and there's a track that's listed Hat Rescue, which I'm assuming is Magneto getting his helmet, but why didn't they just say hat it was a helmet? Rescue. Why were they like, it, yeah, he's got to rescue his hat. It's Magneto hat. runs over to his hat. It's got like the two little eyes from like Mario Odyssey. <laughs> he's actually wearing a pretty swanky fedora during that scene too. Maybe that's the hat. That's the hat. Maybe that's the hat we're referring to <laughs> is that he was wearing a hat while doing a rescue. Okay, Michael Fassbender is hot oh wait okay hold on there's like some stupid thing here it says in april senior brian senior announced that american singer and songwriter lady gaga had joined the cast as dazzler but it was revealed as an april fool's prank okay fuck april fools i'm so glad that shit is over me too i nothing even happened this year and i'm still glad it's over i'm just like i'm good on this i don't know okay there's also a little lie here that stan lee was scheduled to shoot a cameo in late august 2013 but ultimately chose to attend the fan expo in toronto that's hilarious (laughs) stan lee stan lee who was in every fucking marvel movie until he literally died is like nah other places to go like he'd rather go <laughs> to a fan expo where he will have interactions that are identical to interactions he's had for his entire life again he's like i'd rather do this he probably heard all the drama happening on on set and he was like i'm not gonna go there <laughs> i don't know if stanley gave a shit about stuff like that to be totally honest like he was a drama queen himself in so many ways i feel like he would have just gone anyway um let's do this shit okay 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 let's do it i'm maddie and i am ryan of mutant ages fame that's right hello everybody i'm also of mutant ages fame and you know who else is of mutant ages fame is todd oh it's not katie (laughs) (laughs) wow fuck you too I love you, Todd. Damn! No, fuck this! You do this by yourself! No. I love you, Todd. You know I love you, Todd. I tried to move away from my mic before shrieking like a banshee. No, it's fine. It's uh, fine. You know what, Todd? I'm glad you do that because I do not do that. And every single time you can tell in these podcasts. I, I just have to lower the volume on certain all clips the way. all the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got, a, we got a three-person podcast here today because we watched a live-action movie and that movie was X-Men Days of Future Past from 2014, Woo! directed by Brian Singer, whomst we despised. <laughs> Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the this up and say welcome everybody to the first movie review where we're going to do this in two parts because 
for making all of our lives easier, both in recording and formatting and editing and for you listening. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have an intermission and TBD is to when it is, but we will have an intermission. So enjoy that. Todd and I were both definitely like, this movie is like so many hours long. It's what are we, when is it going long. to stop? There's- so here's the thing about that, Ryan. You chose this because the the road cut that we watched has an additional 17 minutes. To be fair, after this point in time, all the movies after this are going to be three hours long because this Jesus is about the Christ. time that someone decided in Hollywood that like every movie had to be at least two and a half to three hours long. I don't know. I don't like it. Peter fucking Jackson and Lord of the Rings and everyone's like, look at all the money they got from those. People love being stapled to a chair for four days. <laughs> I hate that trend. And you're absolutely right, Todd. And and it's it it's every superhero movie plus like the Lord of the Rings phenomenon where it's like, is it sci-fi or fantasy? It's going to be at least three hours. I feel like Christopher Nolan contributed to this as well. Sure. With the Batman movies. It, it just... It got out of control. We got to bring back intermissions. We talked about this last time around when we were recording the Wolverine. I think we were I talking mean, about it's to the point that we're implementing an intermission on our show. There should have been an intermission for this film. <laughs> Where'd this trend of podcast being four hours start with? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we did the road cut. This was Ryan's decision. I liked the extra scenes largely. I don't actually feel like the rogue extra scenes needed to be there. And I understood why they cut them. I have a question, though. This is the first time I have ever seen this movie. Mm-hmm. So you will have to point out to me the stuff that was rogue cut only. Well, I had to Google it because a lot of it is not obvious. Well, okay, all the bits with Rogue, literally. But Todd, in in sort of the briefest strokes in the original version of the movie, Kitty Pride gets injured at some point and she's like, oh, I can't go on. And so they grab Rogue and, and put her in. So all that stuff wasn't in there. In the original movie we saw in theaters at the time, Kitty's just like, I've been injured, but I'm going to work through it. <laughs> so it's like this whole extra 20 minutes doesn't really need to be there but they also sprinkled in a few scenes here and there that i would say aren't hugely noticeable like um there's just longer scenes between mystique and beast flirting with each other there's like an additional plane not plane there's an additional airport scene between magneto and um mystique like i looked at a screen rant article that was like here's everything they change and it's just like it's a director's cut situation where they're just adding in slightly longer versions of existing scenes this is one of those movies too where they were like we actually still have like an additional 45 minutes of film in here and i'm like what was it i mean it's just what i described it's like every scene was slightly longer there were also a few points in this movie where i was i could tell something was cut like the most noticeable one is when pietro and magneto are in the elevator and then they have a joke that makes no sense in context no sense and i was like clearly they just wanted to keep the joke in but they didn't keep in the setup, which I was like, why? (laughs) Like Magneto quotes a James Brown song where he's like, I don't know karate, but I know crazy, which like, okay, that's, that's a timely reference for the 1970s. But like, it's not clear why he's saying that. He just says that out of nowhere to Pietro. And it's like, why? This is my thought. I feel like that entire scene on the elevator between Pietro, sorry, Peter, Peter and Magneto. Who's Pietro? I mean, Peter. Uh, Go on. Okay, so they're on this, and I feel like, what's his name? I gotta look up the actor's name. Oh, Hold Evan on. Peters. Yeah, okay, so Evan Pietros. Just kidding. Ed, Evan <laughs> Pietros. He <laughs> is just riffing some jokes, I think, yeah. and then Michael Fassbender just goes along with it. I think you're right, but I think they liked that, but they kept in some of it, and I'm like, guys, you can't do that. You can't. 
just keep in some of the riffing and nothing else. Like it makes no sense. Oh, I agree. I agree. Evan Peters is amazing in this he film. Is. Um, so oh, wait, so Todd, yeah, you saw WandaVision before you saw yeah, this movie. Yeah, that must have which been which references weird. this movie. Yeah. So this was a really discordant experience for me when he shows up because uh-huh. I'm like, why, why are we looking for Mr. Boner? Yeah. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> no, this is this is Peter. This is this is yeah, Peter Boner. Yeah, this is Peter Boner. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. I love that the nat- the natural conclusion of this stupid joke is that the person responsible for the Sentinels was actually Agatha. <laughs> All along? All along. If only. If only. Well, well, let's let's go back in time because that's what we're here to do. Um, so Ryan and I saw this movie in cinemas at the time. Did we see it together? Yeah. I of don't course remember. we did. Of course we did. I remember really, I really liked it at the time. And I still actually really like it. It has a lot of problems plot hole wise, logic wise, but it feels a lot like the good parts of fan fiction to me, where like it's just an excuse to get Magneto and Xavier into a room so they can be catty bitches. And it's <laughs> and I love that ship. I love how toxic it is. I really enjoy it a okay, lot. This movie definitely made them as if they were a married couple. Oh yeah. And Ryan, wasn't this shortly before we did you were doing the X-Men dating game with Katie where the other Katie with a Y and you two cosplayed as Xavier and Magneto kind of right after this movie. Wasn't that the timeline? No, it was. We did that after first class because that was in 2012 and this okay. movie came out in 2014. So, well, all the same, this was peak Magneto Xavier shipping hours. What's actually happening is that Brian Singer and the entire production team turned to Kineticon and saw our show right, and they were and they like, saw oh, our show wow, that we, did. we should do this next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did that. They were so inspired. Hearing this old like journalism pulp film voice in my head, that's gold. <laughs> we need to take that, boys. That's gold, I tell you. We gotta make it gayer. I love this. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I mean, Maddie was wearing gold with her Dark Phoenix costume. So I was, and Magneto and Xavier actually kiss in our show, which they should in this movie. There's so many times when they could have. I just I cannot not talk about this, but in our show, when we kissed at the end, one of our one of the people in our show was yeah, the like, one who played Cyclops. Yes. Who is a, I'm just adding that in because I feel like it helps the context of what you're about to say. Uh, yeah, it does. He's just like, he's like, I don't really understand why Xavier Magneto are making out. It, all the shows that Katie and I did together, Katie Hunt and I, yeah. ended with the two of us having a kiss. And he was like, all the other times made sense, but this time doesn't. And we're like, no, it's the other way around. Yeah, like dude. literally everyone turned around to him and was like, um, <laughs> do you mean the most popular ship of all time? Like, have you been under yeah. And I'm like, are you telling me that Edward Cullen and Spike from Buffy, that makes sense to you? Because we did do that the previous year. We did do that. Time out. (gasps) There was no complaint about Spike and Edward Cullen, but Xavier and Magneto gets, what's happening here? That doesn't seem like it fits. (laughs) (laughs) They're the Kirk and Spock of the Marvel Universe. This is is why this person was cast as Scott Summers, because only that amount of obliviousness... (laughs) Anyway, that was actually, that was a very fun show. And we have at least one listener who attended it and remembers it. So this is a time period. Um, I love this movie at the time. Pretty much ever since then, I've been telling Ryan, Days of Future Past, that's the good one. And Ryan's been going, eh. <laughs> and you know what? That's what you're about to listen to again in 2022. Because I loved it. And Ryan is kind of like, 
Eh. Eh. I mean, like, okay, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that the cinematography is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love the scenes where Mystique gets to, like, kick ass and be Mystique. Love that. But then it always gets me annoyed because two seconds later, she's like, what if I'm a good person? And I'm like, I can't deal with this, like, weird shit where she's, like, besties with Xavier. However, there's so much of Magneto in this movie, and he's so good yes. that, like, it kind of over-erases all the plot holes that I yeah. do not enjoy. Also, over-erases isn't a term, but, yep. you know, we're just going to go with it. No, it's not. It, But it is now. It sure. is now. It over-erases them. The plot holes are gone. They've been erased over. Right. So, Todd, this was your first time watching the movie. What What did you think? To follow from the pre-show conversation about all of us having wildly different opinions on vegetables. <laughs> I, I did not... <laughs> Yeah. I didn't love the movie, but it was fine. Uh-huh. Like, it was a perfectly reasonable. It's certainly of the, the many just truly awful movies you guys have had me watch. This oh, is yeah. one of the more watchable ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would put this on same footing with New Mutants, where I was like, I didn't love all of I it. I was about to ask you that. Like, where does it land in comparison to I that? I still think The Wolverine is probably the best one. I agree. It's definitely a way better movie than this one. I than It might one. end up being the best one, period, honestly. That we watch. Yes, that we watch. We're going to do Deadpool and then Logan next, I think. That's our order. I thought we were saving Deadpool, too. We were done with all the Fox films. Well, Ryan, if we're doing release order... It's Deadpool next, for what it's worth. I think I don't think we can though, because like there's a end scene that's directly leads into the Apocalypse movie. So I think we have to do Apocalypse next. Oh right, Apocalypse is next anyway. I think in terms of timing. Yeah, I keep forgetting it exists. I didn't even know there was an Apocalypse movie. Cool. Okay, there is a post credit scene in this movie that leads to the Apocalypse movie, and then there's like a post credit scene in the next movie that leads to the Dark Phoenix movie, and like they, they progressively get worse and worse as they go along. I like how in my head I just canceled out apocalypse and dark phoenix but then we get to the dark phoenix movie and it's over so it doesn't really matter yeah right the other thing about this movie though is that i kind of didn't like eric all that Aww. much let me let me walk that back slightly how dare you <laughs> todd's like i just walked into a room with magneto lovers and you're like i don't really Never like magneto been. in this and maddie and i just like glare and we're like excuse <laughs> me excuse me this house <laughs> um I so future Magneto I didn't have any problems with yeah because he's I I loved that and that was actually one of the scenes where I really wanted them to kiss was Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart shake hands at the end so many years fighting I loved that I, for what, like they were going to it yeah. really seemed like they were gonna kiss there and I was Finally. rooting for it so hard well, especially because spoiler alert Magneto had been stabbed at that point I know right? like he'd taken a shiv to the stomach he took a shiv to the stomach to protect his boyfriend who he'd finally gotten back together with and he was stopped he stopped being so toxic I mean I agree Todd like I don't like Eric in the past in the sense that I'm like I love everything he's doing like that's not (laughs) what I mean when I say like he's fine and Fassbender's doing a good job but he makes some choices where I'm like really yeah of course but that's I would say they're enjoyable to watch the stadium I was gonna say the stadium I don't (laughs) even know what that was supposed to do why i don't know why are you doing this <laughs> just to be the drama queen that he is i mean it's really what it is okay before we jump in uh a couple of things i'm not going to go into the whole rabbit hole of how awful brian singer is because we cannot do that and we're that's not what our show is about we don't like brian singer here i pitched the idea of being like maddie should we talk about this and she's groaned audibly for like 20 seconds you didn't <laughs> pitch it you just were like let's look up the names of everyone who's accused him and i'm like listen we can do that no 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 i was saying like earlier but here's the deal is that this movie took a really long time to produce 
obviously because of the accusations that were happening towards Brian Singer at that time, I, there were people coming out talking about how even then, yeah, how yeah. They, how he had lusted or assaulted them in the past, which was like not news. This had been going on since the nineties. And they were playing it off like, oh, they're just trying to get a cut of how successful this movie is going to be. Yeah. Um, but as time has gone on, there was that recent article. In Variety. Yeah, with yeah. Like Blake Stewerman, who talked about the time during this movie mm-hmm. in which, which Brian Singer was essentially like beating him and assaulting him the whole time. And he was working on this movie. This, this guy was working on the movie. And he did, he did not get a credit, but he talked about how... Brian Singer was doing these things and he was also drunk and high the entire time and he wasn't showing up to all the the shoots. Yeah, so, and a lot of the actors came forward as well to say to corroborate that part of it. And that's why I'm saying that, you know, like I don't want to get into the history of how awful Brian Singer is. We have voiced that plenty of times on the show, but I do want to say that there have been many people who have stepped forward and said Brian Singer was not showing up to shoots. He was screaming at people. He was throwing things. He had a huge fight with Anna Paquin. Yeah, and cut her out of the movie. People said it was Anna Paquin's fault. But I feel like if Anna Paquin was dealing with his shit that whole time, she was probably like, why am I here? Yep. You know, I think even Halle Berry's stuff for her, she was like, yeah, he was like crazy during this time. Mm-hmm. It just kept on going and it kept on like sort of avalanching because then all the accusations were coming out. They have continued to come out. The Apocalypse movie only came out like a year or two after this movie. So they finished rapping on this and they went right into that next movie where he was like falling apart. And like, yeah. by the time the Apocalypse movie came around, it is very clear that like whatever was going on behind the scenes was just ripping the cast and production team apart. I think the only reason why this movie survived as it did is because they had a good cast and crew, mostly who are not there in the next film. But like, mm-hmm. if we didn't have like these staples like Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart standing there being like, no, we can we can really hold this film down. And Hugh Jackman and, yeah. you know, like Hugh Jackman holds a lot of the movie together, which is very weird because it it's like, weird. why would the Days of Future Past be about Hugh Jackman's character? Like, why is Wolverine in this film? I also feel like this movie does something that other films cannot do where they have taken basically these two different universes, which I know the MCU is now dabbling with and they've done very well especially in the new spider-man film and they're like okay we can take like these old fox film characters and incorporate them with the new fox film characters and make it work and i do think they do do a good job with that but then in x-men apocalypse and dark phoenix they throw away the entire old universe and try to rebuild one which is such a huge mistake that we can get to when we get to it but i know i know so but anyway the point is that this production was absolutely insane people were treated like shit i don't know um so there's like just really some dark shit going on. So, I mean, that taints the movie in a fundamental way. Like the fact that this was the movie that a lot of people still talk about as um, the beginning of the end for Brian Singer. And I don't think it shows up on the screen, which is sort of impressive. It's a credit to everyone else in the film and who worked on the film that it, I think the movie works at all. But X-Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are so bad. I think a lot of people quit after this, yeah, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know the numbers on that, but it explains why Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are so... Well, Dark Phoenix isn't Brian Singer. That's just Simon Keenberg when he finally was like, you know what? Right. I don't trust anyone to direct my shitty scripts, so I'm gonna do it. And we're like, oh uh, Dark boy. Dark Phoenix is also <laughs> bad, though. Uh, yeah. It doesn't work at all anyway. Yeah, but I think you're right. By the time Dark Phoenix came out, I mean, it was post-Me Too movement when everybody was like, maybe we should fire people who are sexual predators. Uh, 
<laughs> which that was a fun time in society. Um, but we're in 2014 for now. We haven't gotten to 2016 yet. Man, it's been a crazy eight years, apparently. Apparently, apparently. Um, so I guess we can get into the movie now. Um, okay. Obviously, we're going to spoil it. So, you know, this movie takes place in 2023. Uh, yeah. How do we feel about that? Good? <laughs> I went to Google the original Days of Future Past um, storyline from the yes. comics, actually. Quite and good. Quite a good that, one. The, the terrible future of that was was in 2013. So Which <laughs> is pretty funny. I, I like that they averted the awful future in the comic books. And then the very next year in 2014, like a new awful future in the movie version just kind of like pops into existence. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's also funny because they were making this movie in 2013, which is like that is the awful future yeah. itself and they were like eh, let's kick it kick the can down to 2023 it's just funny um, oh yeah this movie happens next year by the way yeah like the sentinels are coming folks yeah next year the sentinels are fucking coming and they're destroying the world utterly and that is how this movie begins i it was kind of weird to watch a movie for this show that i remembered so much of because at this point we're getting into the more and more modern movies so like 2014 i remember seeing this film like i remembered almost all of it I deeply remembered the scene of the fucking dead bodies falling out of the tube. That was very creepy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought that was pretty good, honestly. It's good, but it's it reminds me of like literal Holocaust footage that I saw in college of like dead body piles of dead bodies. Like, yeah. I think that's what it's intending to evoke is Holocaust footage in this movie. This. OK, so this whole opening, this whole opening bit with the dystopian future is actually a shit ton of references like one after yeah. another. Like the people walking through the hallway, clear yeah. reference to um, the Apple 1984 Mac commercial, yeah. yep. which was Rid- which is Ridley Scott, by the way. So if you're going to rip off anybody, yeah. rip off Ridley Scott. Yeah, rip off, <laughs> rip off Apple as well if you can. You know, why not? Like one of the <laughs> one of the Sentinels going like one of the PA broadcasts is just saying number nine, number nine over again. So that reference to that Beatles song, yep. um, which I think is Revolution 9, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, also just just I mean, literally referring to Holocaust footage is uh, it's not a pop culture reference, but it is certainly like trying to evoke that where it's like, yeah, not only are mutants going to be persecuted in this in this dark future, everyone who has anything to do with them will be like parents who could birth a mutant because they have a recessive gene humans who help anyone. Yeah, There's like this weird McCarthy-ish angle to it, right? Like even even quote suspected communists are getting mauled by sentinels. Yeah, which then means that like the only possible humans who are allowed to survive are humans who completely hate mutants and anyone who associates with them. Pure humans, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And um, the sentinels basically rule the roost. They're basically in charge of society in this version of the world, which is terrifying in the sentinel design. So this isn't in the comics. And this is something the movie does that I actually think is really cool by centering Mystique, like having Mystique's powers be what makes these Sentinels work. And also Rogue. And you don't find that out at first. But yeah, and Rogue, which I just think is cool because Mystique and Rogue are so fucking cool as characters. And I feel like this movie, the writers 
respected those characters powers and how cool they are i'm just quietly watching this commercial in the background guys sorry that commercial <laughs> fucking owns are you watching the apple commercial oh, have you never seen the 1984 commercial i've seen it before but it's been so long that i was like does it really reference that and i watched it and i'm like oh yeah i, re- I forgot about the woman spinning around the hammer for like 13 minutes and then throwing it at the tv it's a sledgehammer she's got a sledgehammer yeah it's, it's badass. pretty badass it is pretty it good is. but i didn't realize that's what they were trying to invoke here and i was like oh yeah i forgot about that i feel like if you watch if you watch the bit of the people walking through the hallway and then immediately cut to the beginning of the apple 1984 commercial you could almost not even tell that they were you would might think they're the same movie yeah it would be like the same thing well because i i mean i think that commercial is itself reflecting what the dystopian imagination is in 1984 so it's just kind of like okay this is depicting a fascist controlling society this is how the popular imagination sees it this commercial is really famous the book's really famous like this is what this movie's evoking and i think it works yeah. i mean, honestly as shorthand like the first five minutes of this movie it's it's shocking it's deeply unsettling i remembered it this many years later like i was like this movie's gonna start with some dead bodies maddie like get ready like i was like damn it's gonna be some but shit i thought here. this is one of the better parts of it though, i agree it did I feel agree. like days of the future past and i think at some point the mcu is gonna retackle this and i don't know how they're gonna do it but this is like some intense imagery i also wrote down that we're in the terminator now that's the world where we live in <laughs> we are kind of but it's not as fun as terminator it's really it's grim although if i do it's i decided to just start writing the lyrics to corn's dead bodies everywhere so that's oh my what's God. happening i here. love that i love that <laughs> Okay, so so the first three minutes of the movie, great. I'm in. It's really dark, but I'm. I think it's working. And then almost immediately, I start laughing because nothing makes any more sense for the next ten minutes or so. Oh no, I know. But first, <laughs> we're gonna see a quick clip of somebody who looks a lot like Nate Gray, like yes. rummaging through little baby Nate Gray. Maybe who is this character? Do we know who he is? I don't think they ever name him. He doesn't have a credit, but like. I'm just calling him Nate Gray because Nate Gray is also part of that future. Well, at least one of the futures. I'm down to call this little boy Nate Gray. Let's say it is. And he finds like the little sewer cover to the X-Men's monorail, but it's like shut down now. (laughs) Is that what you think it is? I don't know. Who knows what it is? It's just like an X is in the ground. I'm like, where the fuck are they? I don't know. Well, it's the way the sculpting of the thing that he finds has like really strong made by xavier slash amazon.com right like it's got yeah. the same like shape and structure of all of the other yeah. shit that xavier has mysteriously like made in his basement or whatever or, like gotten commissioned he's he's commissioned a lot of manufacturing companies to create stuff with x's on it <laughs> xavier's personal etsy empire of nothing but x shaped shit oh my god so yeah it's nate little baby nate gray finds one of those and then we smash into the credits what even is this title sequence windows screensavers of cells mutating (laughs) okay marvel marvel i know you listen to this show (laughs) (laughs) well they gotta keep ears on anybody that's doing anything (laughs) right yeah i'm like even if it's just to see if you eventually want to dmca us out of existence but i know you listen to the show so please listen to me carefully if you when the x-men hit the mcu if your opening sequence involves any sort of flyover of dna spirals i will kill (laughs) everyone at the company (laughs) fucking stop that shit i I, am i agree this so tired of it this this moment where i was watching this very long 
long opening sequence, I was like, you guys can't do this anymore. Yeah, I'm no, sorry, but this is too many times. You've done it too many times by now. I can't anymore. I'm, I can't. I'm just going to be a, give you all a little spoiler. And Todd, I don't know if you've seen the Apocalypse movie, but oh, the I opening. Already, oh, my God. Go I ahead. I know it's going to be back. I know it's going to no, be back. It's actually not. It's all this other bullshit instead where they're it's like, worse. they show like little planes <laughs> flying through tunnels and shit. It's so much worse, Todd. They're like, this is time travel happening since apocalypse was in ancient egypt and i was a like what is pyramid happening? opens up and then it's like <laughs> and then like a, a helicopter flies out of it like so it has like a bond movie opening sequence is that kind what we're of talking about where it's all like of. symbolic shit and like yeah, guns okay. become flowers and whatever yes yes or? yes 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 that is precisely it it's all cgi pyramids folding and un- unfolding like origami into a helicopter well tina turner sings golden eye in the background if only Tina Turner were singing Goldeneye. It would make the movie better, but we're not here to talk about Apocalypse right now. I just no, was we're like not. warning you. We're here to talk. I have I have a full 20 minutes prepared about how angry I am that Forge isn't in this movie. I don't understand it. I have a full 20 minutes prepared for why Bishop and Storm have no lines and then they do something or instantly killed. I hate that. I hate I hate the way that the characters of color are treated in this movie. It's it was uncomfortable to me at the time for what it's worth. And it still is now. The road cut gives them a lot more lines. I'll say that Omar Sy as Bishop got to have a lot more lines, which I was like, oh, wow. OK, that's pretty cool. But he's still going to die. OK, <laughs> here's how you fix this fucking movie. How you put Forge in. You make him make a fucking time machine because he's <laughs> Forge. <laughs> you put a time machine in the film and then it's fixed. <laughs> then it's fixed. The whole I movie. Did it. I fixed it. It's already done. You put one character in who creates time machines and you let him make a time machine. Which is what happens in the comic book. Yes, I know. I Instead, know. Instead, they were like, we're going to have Kitty Pride randomly develop Rachel Gray's powers. Patently and she's also going to be able to. Absurd. I don't even know what's happening. They add all these characters here. They add in 16 characters who don't need to be there. Do not need to be here. Okay. I am going to point out that Blink and Warpath and Sunfire are all in that show the gifted that we're going to watch great oh no that's for that's roberto it's not um what's his face from japan it's uh oh did it's i say sunspot. Sunspot. Say sunspot. Um, sunspot. Also, sunspot sunspot is not in the gifted they have another character that is basically sunspot but is called eclipse and plays the role of havoc in lorna's life oh my god so just get ready for that okay sure. great i can't wait to watch the gifted which deeply annoys ryan we're gonna watch that in like two years i mean there's parts of it that i enjoy mostly like when lorna is doing anything but then the rest of it like really doesn't need to be there <laughs> okay well anyway, I, anyway before before we get to this fight scene that they're about to have though which and i want to point out for the record that the way they animated blink's powers show cool i loved it oh it i loved really blink's neat. powers i actually i actually really liked the powers in general in this movie wasn't that fan bing bing that was playing her i think it is i don't know yeah it is the only note that i have for the post title sequence thing is we've left new york new york city and now we're headed to bloodborne <laughs> that aerial shot of moscow is so fucked up like yeah it's all fog up to yeah. the like fourth floor height and then everything above that is just like churches that are covered in tarps yep and it's all like blue because the future is always really blue <gasps> yeah 
you know how blue the future is. It's because of pollution. It's because the Sentinels are based on mystique, so everything becomes more blue and in the future. Her child is blue, blue, and she fucks a blue guy in this movie. And then, like, the blue man group is also here, and they're banging on some drums and blue paints going everywhere. Okay, so let's can we can we just explain what this movie does with Kitty Pride? Because no, what do you mean? Can we explain? It's not even explained in the fucking movie. <laughs> Wait, are you kidding me? No, they over-explain in the movie. Like, okay, well, they sure, spend but that like, whole eight-minute sequence, why it can't be Xavier who goes back. Yeah, but like, why does Kitty Pride have these powers? Kitty doesn't have these powers. She just straight up doesn't have these powers. She never has had them. She's well, okay, never in had the comic, these it's Rachel Gray who does this. So she's like, great. It's not fucking Kitty Pride. I don't care who you put here. <laughs> it's not Kitty. Well, they, they put Kitty Pride in this because Kitty Pride is the person who goes back in time. But in that's this, correct. Like, but they don't send Kitty Pride back in time this time because they want the movie to be about Hugh Jackman and his gorgeous ass. When did when did Elliot Page come out? A couple years ago. Well, he came out as trans a couple years ago. But before that. Oh, oh, when did he come out as queer? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was. I know that Brian Singer outed him on set during this the filming of this. Didn't he? Ugh, let me look this up, too. I don't know that it was this movie, but it definitely happened on set. You've talked about it on the show before. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Paige had been outed at 18 by Brett Ratner. Oh, Brett Ratner. An X-Men The Last Stand. Whatever. They're both assholes and their names sound the same. So, And Anna Paquin's the one who confirmed that it happened. Right, because Brett Ratner directed that, directed Last Stand um, so here's here's a quote um, from him at the time. I was 18 and nobody knew who I was. Just this kid and working with this insane cast. Like that was the period of time when Brett Ratner outed him. Right. Um, but he does say that he really legitimately loved Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Hugh Jackman. Like the the four of them apparently got along really well. Well, yeah. So that's actually nice to know, because like I know after Elliot Page came out as translator, Ian McKellen like did this interview where he felt really guilty about it and was like i feel like i wasn't adequately there for him in this time i think they had sort of bonded over being queer and stuff and it's nice to know they were legit friends but i think just over the course of days of future past like everyone was just struggling emotionally and like i mean my theory is just mostly defensive in the sense that like i'm like did they not want kitty to be the main character because they didn't like Elliot Page because he was queer and out as queer. He seems so uncomfortable in a lot of these scenes, which I don't blame him. Like it, this movie seems very strange in a lot of in a lot of ways. Like he looks so butch. He is so not the Kitty Pride that I have ever pictured. He's so this version of Kitty is also dating Iceman, who's got a literal which beard. Now is a confirmed gay relationship. Kitty Pride is Iceman's boyfriend. Okay, can I just talk about like how? Bobby is like I'm gonna date Kitty Pride, who's also queer, but nobody will know. And when I'm not dating Kitty Pride, I'm gonna date Rogue, who I can't even touch. I'm definitely straight. <laughs> it's like such a Ryan Pajella move. It's like it to really the T. Oh my god. I know. Anyway, so Bobby's gay. Bobby has a literal beard, which I just read as a depression beard in this movie. <laughs> it's like Bobby is still closeted in the future and he's really depressed and he grew a full beard. Um, okay, so let me try to explain how they fucking do Kitty's powers in this movie. It's so dumb. Okay, well, they're running away from the Sentinels and we do see that Kitty is phasing her and Bishop through walls. Yes, that's that's her powers. That's correct. That is her real powers. But now she has an additional secondary mutation where she could shoot light beams out of her hands that send people's minds through time. It's not even like, I don't know why. Not their bodies. 
just their you minds. You know, Maddie, I'm really on board with like, why isn't Forge just here sending them through a little door? I don't yes. know. Yes. Why not put Forge in this? I don't know. Why not? I can't explain this. I cannot. So she sends Bishop back in time to a previous version of Bishop's mind. And then Bishop tells them in advance, the Sentinels are going to be at X spot at Y time. So we need to not be there or we need to be ready to fight if we are there. And so basically they're just running around um, avoiding the Sentinels. That's how this, this little enclave of mutants has managed to survive is by doing this time travel maneuver with Kitty. Which makes no sense. I don't know why Kitty has this ability. It's fucking stupid. I'm glad you're trying to explain this because my (laughs) notes is Kitty explains whatever that bullshit is happening because she's projecting Bishop back in time. I don't know. Logan says this makes no fucking sense. Logan points it out. (laughs) Logan Logan is the character who who shows up with Professor X and they're like, okay, let's let's go back in time further. And Storm and Bishop. There are storms here. And Logan is the character who's like, wait a second. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And everyone (laughs) acts like he's stupid. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm like for once logan's right like logan is like guys i don't think this makes any sense and everyone's like logan logan shut the fuck up logan you're just dumb you don't understand time travel and logan is like this was never what kitty's powers were and everyone's like logan shut up some context well needs to get their issues worked out yeah. So after the intro scene, which is in New York City, they cut to Moscow and Kitty, Bishop, <sighs> Roberto, Warpath, and Blank, Blank, and Bobby. Yes. Because Bobby's also there. Yes. Are all living together like under Moscow somewhere. All right. Yep. And suddenly the Sentinels find them and start attacking. And the scene starts with someone saying, like, they're here. And Kitty and Bishop immediately, like, take off for a safe room where they're going to do this thing where they send Bishop back and warn him. And then you actually get a pretty cool fight scene where everybody fucking dies. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see them die multiple times in this movie, by the way. That must have been kind of fucked up for people who had never experienced. Like, I knew what was coming because I hadn't read the Days of Future Past storyline in the comics, but I knew what it was about. Right. I knew how it worked. Right. So I'm like, okay, clearly time travel is going to be involved. None of this is going to stick. Time travel is going to be real. It is real. real. It is real. Uh, But like for somebody who didn't have that context watching this, because I know we've talked about that in terms of MCU stuff too, right? Like how would somebody who didn't have that comics knowledge would watch this and go, holy shit, they're killing everyone off in the first eight minutes of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. But I I feel like it's intentionally um, alienating though, because they've already shown you the fucking 1984 imagery and the Holocaust imagery. Like you were supposed to be alienated and afraid for these first 10 minutes. Some of these deaths are brutal. Yeah. Like Bobby, Bobby and Roberto, Bobby starts. So the, the shtick I feel like I'm narrating. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> the shtick for these new Sentinels, which, by the way, are incredibly creepy. They did yes. a really good job making these things feel fucking terrifying to look yeah. at. They it are creepy. Full on horror movie shit. But the 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 conceit is that thanks to Mystique and Rogue's powers being analyzed by Trask, like however many fucking years ago, Sentinels can adapt to every mutant power and then basically counter it. With a different power. And neutralize it or yeah. whatever it may be. So yeah. there's this there's this bit where like Roberto is attempting to burn a sentinel and Bobby's attempting to freeze a sentinel. And it cuts between the two happening. And the sentinel that Roberto's fighting basically turns to ice and then just like 
I think he like shatters Roberto or something. Yeah, something like messed that. Up. Yeah, and then Bobby just gets melted. Like they just yeah. evaporate. This, okay, <laughs> we're gonna see him melt twice in this movie. By the I way, know. correct. Multiple times. Multiple times we're gonna see Bobby die. We're this gonna way. see also, everybody die. Everybody gets to die. Multiple everybody times. dies. Also, these Sentinels, as Maddie stated, have the ability to shift between different powers because of the genetics and Mystique's code. But the reason they're able to also like you see it happen in this movie. I think this is one of those instances where those two Sentinels are fighting Iceman and Sunspot and then they swap partners because they ha- have the ability to suck up their powers because of Rogue's powers. And then Mystique's power to transform. Like their skin looks like Mystique's skin, which is part of what's so yeah. cool looking about them. I mean, it has been done several times, even on X-Men Evolution, where they're like, they're like if Mystique and Rogue are teamed up they can be very powerful now that you say that maddie i realized that that animation that they use a lot of the sentinels like face opening when they like laser obliterate somebody is the same animation that they use when mystique changes forms yes it's that like kind of spirally yeah piano cascade thing of things changing wow i didn't even think about that that's a cool, yeah that's, that's a cool what's so thing. cool about the sentinel design in this movie which again is is unique to this movie it and is it's, it's yeah, really it is. really cool looking and these sentinels are fucking scary yeah like, this is solid horror movie shit because the one in the comics are just robots they don't have all this transformation shit i can't i can't not see every time i see like the comic books or x-men the animated series sentinels all i hear in my head is like his lines from marvel versus capcom 2 right like yeah. i just i just see someone say oh it's the mango sentinel scoop scoop <laughs> yeah, right? like yeah, that's, yeah. and i'm like i can't i can't, you can't take, take it you seriously. seriously now i feel like they did such a good job in this movie though of actually making the sentinels scary like that's yeah. a hard thing to do because they're so they're corny terrifying. and like kid friendly in X-Men TAS and even in the comics. But this movie really takes it up a notch. They were creepier in X-Men Evolution. True. They yeah. were silent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was scary. I did like They're that. They're totally better. silent in this movie, too. Yes. Which is also fucking scary and weird. They really like, pulled from Terminator, I think, for that. Right? Yeah. Because part of the reason these Sentinels are scary is because you just... They don't stop. And they don't care who you are. They don't see you as people. They don't give a shit. They're just these wordless aliens. They're just this kind of like a boulder that rolls. Yeah. Good job. So all of that is actually good. Less good is the part where Logan's like, hold on. Why are we doing any of this? And no one gives a shit about the answer. We've we've skipped some critical details here. I just... I know that you have a lot to work out with this whole Kitty Pride thing, so I'm just going to interject and remind us of the plot of the movie. Okay. So eventually the Sentinels get into this, like, vault that yeah. Kitty and Bishop have locked themselves in and kill them. Yes. And then we cut to, uh, it's Bishop waking up, right? Because time yep. travel's real. Because time travel is real. And we find out that they're in, like, a monastery high in the mountains of China. And they're all alive, Right. And that's when Magneto and Professor X and Logan and Storm. Oh, I forgot. They have Colossus, too. They do have Colossus. He does not do anything in this movie. Just FYI. Colossus is part of the time travel crew, and he definitely got fucking murdered before. Yeah, he did. So Professor X, Magneto, Storm, and Logan Logan show up. Like in uh, an extremely fancy version of the Blackbird. Yes. Yeah. And they're, they've clearly been looking for Kitty. So like they, the groups come together and this is when they start explaining Kitty's powers and Xavier's plan is to be like, we're going to go back and stop this bit where Mystique kills 
Bolivar Trask. Yes, they explain that. And we even get a little flashback where we get to see Jennifer Lawrence as Raven Darkholm shooting Trask in the face, who's played by Peter Dinklage, who I think absolutely kills it in this he movie. He did a great job. Yeah, and Incredibly the reason good. why this movie succeeds is because he's in His it. line he's delivery really, is really excellent. Good. There's yeah. so many times when he is just 110% in, in scenes that don't even deserve it. I'm like, this is beneath <laughs> you, dude. And he is just... I mean, Peter it. Dinklage is one of those actors who's just incredible whenever he does anything at all. I know. And he has also talked about this role where he was like, you know, I went into it and this is a script they gave me and I played it as a character who is extremely short and creates these giant robots to make up for the harassment he experienced growing up. And it's like, damn, dude. And who is obsessed with mutation because dwarfism is also an inheritable yeah, right? genetic like, he mutation. Was like, yeah, and so he, here he like brought so much context to the character of Trask like gives him motivations that Trask has never had in the comics because Trask doesn't have dwarfism in the comics but it works so well and I love it it's like it's yet another thing that this movie does where I'm like this isn't from anything this is just unique to this movie and I think it works really well he really it would have been so easy for tracks to be this like stereotyped slimeball corporate guy Mm -hmm. and instead like I don't think we ever really agree with Trask, but the way that he presents him, we're like, I kind of get where you're coming from. Like, yeah. these are not the choices I'd have made as a result. Right. But I get it. Well, right? because he is motivated by basically the intense ableism that he's experienced in his entire life and being seen as a lesser human. And he's like, I know what that's like. And that's why I need to get rid of these people who see me that way. And he's projecting that onto mutants. And it really works. Like his motivation is like sympathetic. And that's oh, yeah. wild. Not, what, what is that? What's oh, that? discussion he has with Stryker like 75% of the way through the movie yeah. where Stryker's like wow you really hate mutants and he goes no yeah he's like I actually am fascinated by them yeah I like I I don't I don't hate them at all I would really like to find a way for everyone to kind of but he's also afraid of them yeah and I think like Magneto I mean from the other end of it he's just like fighting is inevitable there's no way out of it so we may as well prepare to fight them and that's tragic because it, right. it facing that reality as being inevitable is, is presented thematically in the movie as wrong, which I also yeah. think is is part of why the overall themes of the movie work for me is because it's like, uh, don't assume anything is inevitable, you know? Right. Like anything can change. People can change is a theme of this movie, which I like. And also you can change your own future, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the theme of the movie, except for that one movement where Beast is like, honestly, I don't think anything we can do can change time at all. And I was like, Beast, what are you <laughs> saying? That is such a, that is such a hate thing to say. It's just like, actually, happiness is fake and change isn't real. So, I love like, that scene God for that exact reason, man. though, because Beast is proven wrong. Like, yeah. that scene is there because then Xavier... And Logan are the characters who are like, Beast, like, you're wrong, dude. Like, and I like that seat. But anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. I would also like to say, and this is completely inappropriate, but I don't care. There are too many slightly older gentlemen whose voices are super fucky in this movie. Oh, my like, goodness. Dinklage's, I, I hate to say it, but like. Dinklage is sexy. We can say it. Dinklage has strong sexual energy <laughs> as trash. He does. And you know what else? There's a lot of Beast Wolverine slash energy. Okay. I 
like I'm just I did not remember that because it was cut out of the original movie. I but know. there's so many times in this where Beast walks into Logan's room while Logan's just lying sexually on his bed, and I Beast is like, it. "Hey, what's up?" And there would be silence, and Logan's like, "Do you need something?" And Beast is like, "Um, I don't know. What are you doing?" <laughs> and I was like. And the fact that happens multiple times, and the second time Beast walks in, he's like wearing a bathroom. He's like, hey, he's like, what's up? I'm in my bathrobe, Logan. And Logan's like sexually smoking a cigarette. He's like, I see that, Bob. And I was like, dude, this is gay. It's at the point where I was like, did I never notice at any point in my life until we did the Mutant Ages that Beast and Logan have clearly been fucking more than any other characters in the entire X-Men universe? Like, I don't know, but I ship the hell out of it. And in this movie, they have great chemistry. Too. Like, legit. They do. I really, they really do. liked the shit. I'm also going to go ahead and say that Nicholas Holt is a fantastic actor, but I have such a hard time on him selling me as selling himself as Beast. Think, like, he does yeah. a great job. You know what was great, though? One second of Kelsey Grammer as well, Beast. I mean, yes. I'm, like, I'm like, how did we get from like him to Kelsey Grammer? Because they're two radically different characters. It so. doesn't work. It doesn't work. But I loved the one second of Kelsey Grammer, also very gay, walking by Logan's room, going, "Hey, sleeping hey, in, Logan. I see." And yeah, I was and like, like, "You guys fucked yesterday." <laughs> I okay. So my anxiety brain is being my anxiety brain, and I just want to emphasize the reason it's fucked up that Dinklage has strong sexual energy as Trask is because he's Trask. Yes. Right. Because he's fucking terrifying. Yes, and you don't want to fuck Trask. Not because the actor is a dwarf, but because the character is fucking scary as shit. No, so that, is that like a Sephiroth situation where Sephiroth's like, I'm going to kill yes. everyone. And everyone's like, but he's so hot. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, like Dinklage, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen all in the same movie. It's just like, can you just have <laughs> like 20 or 30 minutes of them telling me that I'm a good boy and patting me on the head? <laughs> I would pay infinite money for that recording, please. Oh, yeah. yeah. Please give me the triple threat sexy dude voice ASMR recording. Absolutely. Of- Absolutely. <laughs> they also have Michael Fassberger in there and Hugh Jackman in this, too, on top of that. I know. And McAvoy. They're, I mean, it's it's a sexy film. Also, we are, we are an hour in and we are approximately 12 minutes into the movie. I know. We're an hour in. We're, we are five minutes into the movie and we're like, who's fucking? Who <laughs> turns us on? Trask turns us on. And Logan. Now I understand why Maddie was like leaping a ri- like immediately to Logan not understanding these. She's just like okay, but we actually have to get the plot rolling. Because I'm just trying to get through the film. Okay, but this whole scene is also crazy though because they explain this and then there's like a reminder that Xavier and Mystique were once brother and sister and I they're know. best friends. And that's the part that I like really have a hard time with in this movie. I'm like, I'm like, this is ruining her character for me. It doesn't also, work. So the flashback to them as kids from first class, not necessary. They didn't need it. They do a lot of flashbacks to all the movies in this, including Weapon X for like the 18th time. I and know. then there's like this whole scene where like they're talking about this and Xavier and Magneto are like, it might work. And everyone just stayed there. Storm's like, might. what's going to work? <laughs> like, what are we, yeah. what are we, what are you talking about? Cause they haven't explained what they want to do yet with Kitty's yeah. powers. And yeah. which are like, well, maybe we can go back in time. If Kitty can like, I guess phase their minds all the way back to the seventies and stop <laughs> Trask from building these things. But it has to happen. If we stop mystique from shooting him and Kitty's mm-hmm. like, uh, that's not going to work because it's going to rip their mind apart. I'm suddenly a psychic. I know more about this than Charles Xavier. And like, <laughs> that's my deal. And then Logan's like, wait a second. What if somebody's mind can heal? And I'm like, already like, this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, this doesn't work. <laughs> they didn't need to go here. They could have just said it's a very physically stressful yes. thing. Yeah. Because Xavier is not like he's old. 
and not in the best physical shape yeah. from his injuries, right? Yes. Like you could easily just say you need a physically strong person to do it, and which Logan's like, okay, well, I've got a healing factor, so let's use me. But that's not what's yeah. happening. And then this, they're like, okay, there's a line, by the way, where Kitty goes, Xavier, it will rip your mind apart. And I wrote in parentheses, go for it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Let's just rip Xavier's mind apart just anyways, and then we can send Wolverine back. Although it is Bishop who is like, Bishop's the one who's like, if you go back in the past, it will fuck up the future. I'm like, Bishop, you're the one who's actually doing this all the time. Yeah, like you do this like once every week. I liked that line for Bishop, though, because it is in character for Bishop, because he's always the one who's like, but what about saving my future? And it's like, Bishop... No. I really wish this movie was a version where they sent Bishop back in time and Bishop is trying to track down the X-Men and they're like, dude, who are you? Like, It would have been really funny. It oh, yeah, been. that's that's a bit we glossed over is that the they go back. It's not like they go back and appear. It's that their brain, their thoughts go right into their past body. Yes. So Logan ends up waking up in a period of time that he physically was in in 1973 so he's in his old body oh my god that whole fucking scene i mean do we want to go ahead and talk about this i mean we may as As well as soon as he's like whoa a waterbed i'm like okay it's gonna be oh yeah max three minutes before he punctures this waterbed it's gonna be edward scissor hands all over and of course it happened but we're not there yet first we have to have everybody be like do we want to sacrifice ourselves for a future we may not even be part of and magneto goes yes and then everyone's (laughs) standing there and xavier i love that he just instantly says yes there's no hesitation he's just like i mean he's right in that (laughs) instance though look how bad the future is it's like hello the only thing that this this movie gets right is like magneto as a character they like really hammered it in they're like okay this is who he is okay also i want to point out that like they're like so what do we think they don't even say what does everyone think xavier just goes well i read everyone's minds and they all agree we should do this so let's go yeah i thought that was nuts that was where i typed into slack to you guys xavier just like was bored of a conversation and ended it by reading everyone's minds did he did he even read their minds or did he just go everyone wants to do this and nobody Nobody questions questions him either he could have just been like haha i read their minds they don't want to do this at all it doesn't matter i'm just gonna lie yeah and like who's gonna stand up for themselves yeah it's the the reason that this is a risk though is that if kitty's doing this there's no like if the sentinels show up to kill them and it is very clear that if the sentinels show up they're gonna die yes right Uh, if the sentinels show up to kill them and kitty is sending logan back into the past she won't be able to to warn past bishop right so if the sentinels show up they're toast this is it which is why it's risky in the first place. The other reason it's risky is because the rules of time travel are fucking stupid, whereby <laughs> concurrently in their reality, Bishop's reality, Logan has to sit there for like seven days or whatever the <laughs> fuck amount of time while he is in the past. And it doesn't reset their future until he's done doing that, which doesn't make any sense. Okay, also I want to point out that like the the reason why they couldn't use Kitty in this is because Kitty wasn't even born yet and they had decided not to do a time machine. So they're like, if we're sending people's minds like they did with Rachel uh, Summers or Rachel Gray, I should say, then it has to be... It's got to be someone who was alive. Right. And since they went and did first class back in the 60s, then they're like, now we're going to do like several decades of all these characters being alive and fuck up the continuity even more. They couldn't send Kitty. I think that was the actual reasoning for it. Well, and things like the other person that they could have sent who would have been around in 73 that might have been physically strong enough to make the trip... Yeah, um, is Hank, but Hank has died by this right. point, which we find out later. 
Because he specifically asks Logan, he's like, do I make it in your future? Logan just goes, no. <laughs> that scene is amazing. I that love that scene. That scene is so fucked up, but it's really funny. <laughs> That's like the whole reason, reason why he goes in the bedroom other to give him a blowjob and ride his car. Yeah, he's like, hey, Logan, uh, are we fucking in the future? And Logan's like, no, you're dead, No, dude. you died. You died. Although Logan, Logan does say, well, you know what? We're jumping around too much. All right, let's hold on. Let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to 1973. Yeah. No, first, before we do that, Xavier tells Logan, he's like, just so you know. You have to be patient with me because oh I was God. not in a good place then or ever, <laughs> really. And then I need you to like convince me to go. And Magneto goes, and you need to get me too because I'm the one responsible for putting Mystique on a bad path. And like as the movie goes on, that's not true. That's like not what happened at all. But okay, is <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. responsible for putting Mystique on a bad path? He is though. He is. I mean, really though, I do wonder if there was a version of this script that involved Rachel Gray doing this, and they were like, "Here's Jean and Scott's daughter," since they're not alive here, and like, but maybe they didn't because. Gene died in X-Men 3 and Scott. Yeah. Oh yeah, so they couldn't do that. So if they had a kid it would have had to have been, it would have had to have been born already. And be, a baby, that doesn't exist. Yeah. The other thing that Xavier says that is important is Logan's like, well, why, he's gonna, you're gonna have to explain things to me very carefully. Logan's like why? Why would you not just read my mind? And Xavier goes I didn't have my powers in 1973. And then it's like, ooh I was like, yes, you did, bitch. I saw first class. And then he ends up being right. He is right. And I I was very confused by that as well, because I did forget about the like special heroine that he takes in this movie that makes his powers not work. Yeah. Okay, but like okay, but this is the movie that confirms that like it's not he spends this whole movie being like, You took my legs, Magneto. And I'm like, dude, whenever your powers are off, you can walk. It's like your own powers. It's like It's not explained though, Ryan, because he says that the bullet is what pu- punctured his spine and Beast even confirms that and he's like, Yeah, I have this why? drug that fixes his spine, but also makes his powers not work. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And it doesn't make sense. It could. Well, okay. I mean, your spine, your spinal column is all nerve fiber, right? Like it could be that like signals that his brain uses for, this is me being very charitable, but (laughs) signals that his brain uses for telepathy when they aren't being used, his, his nervous system uses them to work his legs. Right. But if he's using his telepathy, it's, it's basically like there's not enough bandwidth in his brain. Also, it's really fucking funny when I say it that way. Yeah. Xavier's brain is just like an old school dial up modem. Like he just can't he can't do too much with it or it'll fall offline. He can only run one process at a time (laughs) now. So he and the process he's chosen is walking as opposed to using his powers, which, okay, I guess. So Logan wakes up in 1973. I, I do find this scene very funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be as funny as I found it. But Logan keeps introducing himself to people Bishop style by saying time travel is real to everyone yeah. he meets. And he keeps being confused that it doesn't like Logan, work. Logan in this movie is like kind of an idiot. And I yes. love that because that I is Logan. So first he wakes up. I have up- a note that's just like Logan's like, who even fucking cares about the integrity of the timeline? I'm so used to like Star Trek where they're like, we can't change anything. We have to be very careful. And Logan's like, who fucking cares? <laughs> I'm from the future, bitches. Yeah. Shit's I mean, it's the <laughs> 70s that they probably just thought he was high. Yes, I know. And there is actually even a joke about that later. A joke about it later. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, first Logan wakes up. He rolls over. There's a hot, naked saber tooth with a wig on next to him. <laughs> <laughs> 
I legitimately <laughs> thought it was going to be Jean for like a fraction of a second. Yeah, because we just watched the Wolverine. I thought, she, okay, I thought it was going to be any relevant character to like Logan's nope. comic book origin, but it's not. Just a random just woman. Some lady. He's like, I was supposed to be protecting her, but then I accidentally slipped and put my dick in her. It was like, okay, thanks, Logan. Yeah, sure. it's just a scene that isn't really relevant. No. He, he's apparently working as a bodyguard in the 70s for like some mob. Some mob. And he gets out of the bed and he walks over to a mirror. He's ass naked. We get like a 10 second shot of Hugh Jackson's beautiful ass and Logan's checking himself we do. up and down. He's completely naked yeah. and it took me a while to figure out why he was checking out his neck and then it was because it's because he doesn't have his necklace, doesn't have his dog tags because oh. he hasn't been kidnapped by okay. Weapon X yet. So he doesn't have his dog tags. Oh, yeah, because he also has that bit where he pops his claws when the guys show up in the room and he's like, wait, bone. And they're bone claws. Right. Even though he just saw that he didn't have his necklace. It's like, Logan, <laughs> why are you this dumb? He looks confused. And I'm like, OK, why later are you on, shocked? Later on, he walks through like the security system, the metal detector. Yes. And he's like, wait, that didn't go off either. And I'm like, it's Logan. It's so funny how stupid he's Logan such is in, a this dip shit in this movie. Okay, but Logan's I love looking at himself. He's checking himself. He's like, wow, check me out. I'm younger and I look exactly the same as I do in the future because I don't age, bub. And it was like, okay, uh, this is what you're talking about where the mob comes in and Logan's like, well, I'm here, but I just got here. But like, I wasn't the same guy that was here like two seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm a new guy. He's trying to explain that as though that's going to work. He's like, listen, I got, I came here from the future and everyone's just staring at him like, you're fucking idiotic. What are you talking about? Like, we are about to murder you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. It's not going to work. You can't murder me. And then they just shoot him a thousand times and he pops all the bullets out of his skin. And they're like, what the fuck? And then he kills everybody. And then he kills all three of them. This is also where he pops the waterbed. He's like, whoops, Daisy. Check off his gun, man. Like, as soon as he attempts yeah. to get out of the waterbed, hey. I'm like, that thing's not going to make it to the end of this scene. Oh, yeah. I no, know. It is not. not. Absolutely not. So then he just gets rid of this girl he slept with by being like you gotta get out of okay, here wait, wait, but it's like it's insane they like go outside he gets into a car because he's like takes the keys from one of the men and he gets in the car and the girl gets in and she's like my name's gwen he's like yeah gwen and i'm like nice to meet you get this out this is that thing he does <laughs> he does that thing when he does that over whatever's exes show up he's like i don't i can't remember you like who are you and i'm like logan this is getting old like really yeah. really fast and he's like where's gene this is also the only shot that that really truly looks like the 70s for the rest of the film because like mm -hmm. they like went over the top with it and then after this they're all wearing suits for like the rest of the film <laughs> and it does a pan on the twin towers for a really long time i kept thinking yeah. this is, is this even necessary no. like why are we going here so excessive they're like this is how you know it's the past i'm like it happened in 2001 guys. yeah it's like <laughs> this was many years before the twin towers were going to be attacked like of course they're there and i don't Give a shit that they're there? We're not attached to the buildings, filmmakers. <laughs> like, you get that, right? Our emotional attachment is to the events. And the people yeah, like, who died. The buildings are just fucking buildings. Yeah, like, people died. Maybe that matters? I don't know. Anyway, um, so Logan drives to Xavier's Institute. Which is beat to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Shit's fucked up. Um, He knocks on the door. Oh, you, oh, I don't think we're there yet. I think there's two scenes first before that. Oh, right. Um, there's, there's first Peter Dinklage talking. There's that whole whole scene where trask is explaining the sentinel program to congress Ooh, good scene and yeah and peter dinklage is like dude there's some weird shit that happened on the beach in the 60s and like we need to like investigate that i think there's people with powers out there they're like you're a fucking weirdo no we're not doing this <laughs> that's that that's the whole scene they do make like a subtle 
it's very subtle, but they do make a dig at him being a dwarf. They do. They, they do. do. That's important. When he starts talking about like Neanderthals, because his argument is like when he he actually quotes Xavier's dissertation, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Where it's like when homo sapiens and then he pauses and goes that's us i love love, i love how shady peter dinklage is as (laughs) like i love the sarcastic little like okay idiots like (laughs) i know this is a lot of science for you guys so let me let me slow down (laughs) and he did say it exactly like that he's like homo sapiens great pause that's us. Yeah, I love it. But then he talks about like Homo Neanderthalus, which would have the evolution came before us, right? Right. Would have said we're like, yeah, they were scared. And then what eventually happened is that Homo sapiens fucking wiped them out. And I'm like, I anthropologically, I don't actually think that's what happened, but whatever. Well, Xavier got some shit wrong in his dissertation, is basically what we're saying. <laughs> that's right. I have questions about your examinations at Oxford folks but he's like the same thing is gonna happen to us yeah is his argument he's like if we don't if we don't do something about the situation and he doesn't necessarily say let's kill all the fucking mutants he's like we need to have a defense yeah that's why he wants the sentinels and he cites he cites the end of first class and mm-hmm. somebody in the and I think this is like some people from Congress and then the Joint Chiefs of Staff, like it's yeah, yeah, military yeah. people also. One of them is like, we don't have any confirmation that any of that stuff actually. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, it's just yep. like the Bermuda Triangle situation. But they 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 shut him down. They do. They're yeah. like, this is yeah. too fucking expensive. We are. We just declared that we lost the war in Vietnam. Like, that's the timeline. We of don't this need movie. giant robots walking. We don't need to now. pay for giant robots. We just spent a lot of money on losing a war in Vietnam. Yeah, right. that was like a whole thing. Uh, and then yeah. it cuts to Vietnam. Does, they guess that does cut to v- Vietnam. And there's a sick room. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot all about this. And yeah. we get Mystique disguising herself as a colonel. I like this actor's portrayal as Mystique. I like whenever actors do this, by the way. Okay. Also, Stryker is here again. I am I know. so tired of these movies that got <laughs> Stryker wrong in the first, sorry, the second movie and have continued to put him in every fucking Fox film since then. They're obsessed. Yes. Obsessed with him. I, including First Class where they had Sight Striker Jr. and yeah. Senior and like his child being bored and I was like, oh my god, I can't. I was like, stop. Here's my question about this. So, later on in the movie we find out this is the striker who puts Logan through Weapon X. Sort yes. Because they ask him about his son Jason who is yes. specifically the kid from X2. Yep. So, we know it's that striker. And he looks... Pretty young. And I'm like, wait a minute. But in X-Men Origins Wolverine, Stryker was either in Vietnam or Korea, because we don't know which of those two wars he picks up, like the the one where Sabretooth is going to sexually assault a woman, basically, right? Like we don't Ugh. they yeah. don't tell us which one of those wars it is. I forgot and, that like, even if happened. It was Korea, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh my god, that movie. I ever raced <laughs> what happened in that movie. <laughs> what movie x-men orange is what now <laughs> yeah never happened regardless like if it had been vietnam he clearly looked older in origins wolverine than he does in this movie and if it had been korea korea was 20 years before this so like why does strikers todd suddenly... you're already thinking harder than the screenwriters were when they wrote this correct <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but like I had a note where I'm like, okay, which striker even is this now? Because none of them because this is where you do get a shot of his um it's either his dog tags or his um badge. It's his dog tag that you see. Mystique as this colonel picks up his dog tag and you see William Stryker on the screen for like 
10 minutes and you're like, got it. Got it. Yeah. So Stryker is this is this is what um, Mystique is disguising herself to prevent. Stryker and a bunch of other soldiers have been secretly working with this sort of black ops team in Vietnam of uh, mutants. For Trask. Yes. For Trask. Well, they're I don't think they're they're doing uh, black ops missions in Vietnam for Trask, but what they are doing for Trask is is blood tests on all these mutants. They're sending DNA back. Yeah, because they're in. They are like in this sick bay, basically. Yeah, they're in a quarantine tent. Yeah, they're in a quarantine zone, and so I assume they were fighting for America over there. They probably were against their will. I mean, the draft existed later on in this film. They're like, "What happened to all the students here?" And they said that most of them got drafted, including teachers, yeah. into the war. So yep. that's why some of these mutants are even here to begin with. That's what i figured yeah was that the mutants got drafted and they were put on this sort of mutant black ops team okay i'm just gonna point out that like toad is here again and also yeah, toad is here they have havoc is here havoc is here ink is here and some other character and when shit goes down i have no idea what's happening because like people just start like dying but like they don't animate any of it yeah so just be ready for that so mystique is like having a conversation with this other lieutenant and they're like who are you and Mystique's like, I'm your worst fucking nightmare. I don't remember what she says here, but then she transforms him to Mystique and does all these fucking badass moves because it's back Beats to the shit out of like seven military police. Just yeah, mm-hmm. and so like this is when shit goes real, including Stryker, by the way. Yeah, she is snapping people's necks with her fucking vagina legs, and then <laughs> doing some flips and shit. Havoc starts standing there, and he's like, "What's gonna happen?" Then the ink guy and this other dude who kind of looks like the character Quill, but I guess that's not him. I- I thought it was supposed to be Evan. I thought that too. I thought it was Spike. Okay, but it's not though, because then his eyes turn but black. But it's not clearly. Then, his powers end up being something. Yeah, his powers end up being something totally different. What but, are his powers even are, Todd? Because his eyes turn black, and then know. other people's eyes turn black. It starts bleeding black blood, and then the yeah. ink guy like looks at them, and they just start vomiting. Growing and I was up. like, "What's happening?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah. What are their powers? They who are these characters supposed to be?" One of them is supposed to be ink. That's not his power. So I don't really know what's going on here. I think Toad catches a gun with his tongue. Yeah, Toad has Toad powers. That's the same. Mystique is about to like, I think, kill a dude if it's Striker. I think or she's not. about to kill Striker. Right. And Havoc stops her by just blasting Striker and knocking him out. And Mystique is like, I had that. And he recognizes her. Yeah. He does recognize her because he calls her Raven and she's like, I don't call myself Raven anymore. Okay, when she when he walks in well, sorry, when Mystique walks into the room as the lieutenant. She winks at Havoc. Yeah, and Havoc's like, what is happening? Oh no, it's fucking Mystique. What's happening? And so Mystique just Mystique says, I had that, and Havoc goes goes i know like you were about to kill this dude you're gonna kill him and for some reason havoc is against that even though a bunch of other people just died it's kind of silly um so really the reason why mystique is here is because she's preventing all these mutants from getting sent to trask as opposed to getting sent home right so she she brings them to the actual uh helicopter or actually a plane later on where where they get to go home because she doesn't want them to be experimented on forever uh, I think that's the next scene, actually. She gets them on the plane. Well, okay, there's one thing that happens that I thought was actually really funny, where I think this is when they're on the plane and about to fly out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alex looks at her and goes, where's Eric? And all I have in my note is, fuck Eric! Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically her line. She's like, I'm on my own now. Yeah, she's just like, fuck him. I 
she is angry at Eric this entire fucking movie. Yeah. And he kind of deserves it for the record. He does. He does kind of deserve it. He does. I mean, also, like, nobody knows what Eric really did or didn't do. I think everybody thinks he really did try to murder the president, by the way. Right. Um, that happened off screen. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the X Mansion. Logan knocks on the door. Hank answers it. Hank is like, Who the fuck are I you? can't let you in. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Yeah. And Logan is like, I'm from the future because it's Logan. And he just keeps saying that to everybody. Every single person he meets, he's like, hello, I'm from the I'm future. I'm Logan. I'm selling you the future. Also, Beast is like, are you a parent? And Logan goes, I sure hope not. Which I is like wow. really funny. Wow to that line. I'm actually kind of sad that it was just Logan instead of Logan and someone else because I would really have loved to have the other person in the background when Logan's just like, what even is operational security? We're from the future, and just having that person like putting their face in their hands <laughs> in the background, just like Logan, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. It's it's I'm sad. sad we were robbed of the opportunity for that. To yeah, happen. I know. Like if Kitty was in the background, being like Jesus Christ, Logan, oh, Jesus like Christ, Logan, <laughs> it would be really funny. Um, but we don't get to have that. Instead, Logan is just walking around, being like, "Hey, I'm from the future. I knew you and Xavier in the future, and I got sent back in time fifty years." And Beast is like what the fuck are you saying right now? Like, <laughs> I cannot even believe you expect me to buy that story. What is wrong with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Logan keeps being like, you're beast. You're beast. You're not Hank. We like fuck so much in the future, just so you know. And he's like, I'm not gay and I don't know you, sir. And Logan's like, look at me. Don't you want this, bub? And yeah. the beast is like, kind of, but like, who the fuck are you? And like, so Logan just like barrels his way through the door and beast tries to stop him. And then they just start straight up fighting physically i know there's also like a line here where beast says there's no professor here yes beast is now scott (laughs) ryan's head apparently while the two of them are fighting and like hanging off the chandelier and just like i don't know flirting Uh, um charles xavier james mcavoy drunkenly walks walks down the stairs he's walking he's walking walking. it was xavier all along or anyway um yeah he's also fucking drunk he's like fucking shit faced he looks like shit they did a good job of making McAvoy look like he had been living in the basement for a year. They, yeah. they did a great job. This was. I also love that Xavier just goes, Hank, get off the chandelier. What are you <laughs> doing? Just like, bro, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. And then he sees Logan and he's like, sorry, who the fuck are you? And then he's like, wait, I you look familiar because we're supposed to fucking remember the stupid cameo that Logan had in first class, which comes up multiple times. Oh, I'm my like, God. I don't and I'm just okay. like, stop already. But the reference to it, they make it. I actually liked when <laughs> that right, comes back enough. in the scene because Logan is like, OK, so you're Charles Xavier. And then he basically says, you really like quiche. And the smell of lilacs makes you think of Eric. And like, it's like a whole bunch of other shit that only Charles could know to establish that yeah. he knows what's happening. And young Charles is like flipping out. He's like, I've never told anybody any of that. And Logan's like, you will later. I've never told any of that about, especially the shit about the lilacs. Oh my God. I actually enjoyed this scene though. I did like how it's he was like, I like it too. What? I like it too. It was cool because Charles is not having any of this. He's like, okay, this is all fucking crazy. Can you get out of my house? And Logan's like, no, because you and Eric sent me from the future because you got back together 50 years from now. You're fucking again and you're in love. And You're married. You have three children. You had a little white 
picket fence. It's actually like a pretty healthy relationship at this point. And Charles is like, I don't believe that. Laughs at the idea of it all because he's like, do you fucking know where Eric is right now? Because I bet he didn't fucking tell you that shit (laughs) because it's crazy. And this is when we find out. That Magneto is under the Pentagon yeah. because oh, yeah. he killed JFK. Yes. Okay. <laughs> also, there's a, the follow-up line after Xavier's like, no, I refuse to do it because Magneto's <laughs> a bitch and I'm mad at him for everything in my life. And he storms off and Beast turns around and he goes, I told you there's no professor here. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so much drama. On his, on his way out, Xavier <laughs> looks at Logan and says, allow me to return your words that you once said to me to you. And just goes, fuck off. And then walks out of the room. That's the one F-bomb that they were allowed in a PG-13 movie, which I think in the previous one, Logan got it. No, I th- there's another one later when Nixon screams, fuck this. That is only in the director's cut. They had to oh, cut out Nixon really? saying right. fuck. Good in, yeah, because they're only allowed one fuck in a, in a PG-13 movie. Got it. But I, I legitimately thought it was funny that like it, that stupid little callback to Logan's 45 seconds worth of appearance in first class where he's just like, fuck off. I liked it. It's fine. I, I didn't like it because I thought it was silly that Xavier would even remember that moment. Like, why would he? But whatever. Right. Um, the, the only other really important plot relevant thing that happens in this scene is that obviously Logan tells them about the Sentinels and Mystique's DNA and the fact that her killing Trask is what leads to the Sentinel program being funded and mutants being seen as a threat. He summarizes all that shit for everybody and they understand what they're going to stop. And Xavier's also like, well, Raven fucking hates me now. And Eric and I broke up. So I'm not doing any of this shit. And Logan is like, <laughs> yeah, you are. Because those are the people who sent me back. So you're going to have to deal with this. Yeah. There's also like the comment here where Beast explains because Xavier's yeah, like. Beast explains how he's able to walk and why his powers are gone. He explains how that right, works. Which we already kind of covered with the serum that he's giving him. That yeah. we is kind of shady as to how that even works. So remember, remember the serum that Hank made in first class that works perfectly fine in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years ahead of the cure that happens in X3 that is temporary. It's like, okay, whatever. I mean, does it work that well? Because Hank I don't know. It it doesn't seem like it works great. Like Hank seems pretty like barely hanging on. He has to do he has to do it every day. Yeah. Which is rough. And later on, he tells Mystique, he's like, I have to give myself another injection if I start to get, basically if I start to get horny. Right? Like he says, if I start to get excited yeah. or he's like, if, if I experience any emotions, I mean, I read this as like a conversion therapy tragedy thing where he's basically chemically castrated himself. I mean, that was sort of how I read that scene. I mean, that is something that Beast would do. I believe that. So <laughs> please, Hank, love yourself more. I mean, that's what Mystique says to him. Like, that is that is true. Yes. Xavier at this point turns around and he's like, okay, I'll help, but because I remembered how much Mystique's a good person and a great sister to me. And I was like, I can't believe this is the plot. I hate this now. <laughs> so I dumb. ignored that because I, I read this scene more as like Charles being like, okay, like I'll help. I don't want to see Eric, but like I do, but like don't quote oh, me right. on that. But this is where the comment happens where Xavier's <laughs> like, what Xavier's like, what makes you think we can control Eric? And Logan says, because you two are together in the future, which I read as because you two are married in the future. Yeah. Like, There's also a line where Logan says something like, don't you want to do something for the person you love? And it's like unclear yeah. as to whether he's referring to Raven or Eric. And I read it as Eric. He he said something. He says something about how Charles Xavier would never give up on somebody. Yeah. And then followed that with especially someone's he love. And the note I have for that is, you know what you were doing. 
right? Yes, absolutely. You knew what you were doing. I read that as a as like he's in love with Eric. I mean, there's a lot of things in this movie that do feel I I would call it queer baiting in 2014 because they are not going to confirm it. Deliberate, yeah. But I'm living for it anyway. Well, also like McAvoy (laughs) and Fassbender were like, yeah, we're making this gay. So there's that. Yeah. There's also like this whole thing that they explain the reason why Magneto is in the Pentagon is because that bullet that was shot at JFK was curved and they're like well Magneto did it which we'll get to a little bit later yes but first there's like this comment here that Logan makes about the internet and I'm like do you even know what the internet is without Jubilee's help like stop this is also <laughs> something that was added back in for the director's cut by the way this internet joke oh is it really yeah okay it's one of the jokes that got cut probably because it doesn't make much sense from Logan saying it doesn't it. it doesn't like Logan is like oh you guys don't have the internet and for some <laughs> reason Hank knows to respond to that like but we have a phone book and I'm like what this doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Why would Hank fucking know why would what he it have is? said that? Like, why? Because because he goes, "What's the internet?" Anyway, we have a phone book, and I'm like, "Why do you know what a what?" Anyway, it was dumb. <laughs> That's so really they cut funny. That out. Okay. And um, so they they realize they need to break into the Pentagon and get Eric out, and they're like, "How are we going to do that?" And Wolverine's like, "Don't worry, I know Pietro. <laughs> I don't know why." But he does. Because he shows up at the end of the film, which I never even noticed until today. <laughs> we'll get to that in the next part of this episode. I guess. But still. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't literally say, I know Pietro. He, he, he's like, I know a guy who can help us. We don't yeah. know that it's going to be until like two scenes later, because there's a scene with Trask Industries coming up. Mm-hmm. But after that, the first thing we see is them pulling up to a mailbox that says Maximoff. And yes. at that point, we're like, oh, yeah yeah now i get it yeah yeah but first mystique has to compliment a secretary's scarf okay wait this scene is awesome though i like it i do like I it. Loved it i loved that you know that it's mystique and not trask because he compliments the scarf mm-hmm. yeah there was a cool little touch i'm like okay bolivar trask is not does not know what his fucking secretary is wearing every day yes and she looks very uh taken aback by it and is like wow yeah what why is he complimenting it's me? also and now peter dinklage gets to do the sexy sway did you notice that yes he's like doing the little does shake. i love that i love that I mystique love it. that's cool every version of mystique like who no matter who she is she's like i've got to move my hips around because my hips don't lie she has to walk fucky no matter what she's also mystique's also shakira just so we all know yeah shakira shakira so she turns back into herself (laughs) and she goes through trask's files and basically she just finds all these fucking horrifying records of like mutants being killed tortured autopsied there's like photographs of they're being like experimented on including azazels in there yeah and she's crying and then the secretary walks back in the room and she has to quick transform into Trask but is still crying and I like this scene I, I just like I too. like how Peter Dinklage plays it where he's like wiping away the tear and he's like would you mind typing up my itinerary I don't want to miss anything and it's like yeah ugh, it's just really a gut punch like the delivery of it, it is awful oof I actually still have the rental of this movie up and I am going to find a screenshot of this painting in Trask's office. Oh my god, the painting is eerie as it's fuck. So it's like, much. Isn't it like the one where there's like a kid in a wheelchair or something? Yeah, it's the kid in the wheelchair who's like longingly reaching for a robot leg that Trask is holding just out of reach of her hands. It's like And she's ugh. just like, please, sir. May I have some leg? <laughs> and Trask is kind of like looking off into the middle distance. There is, okay, for the art history people, they put a gold halo, like yes. a gold circle 
behind yes, him so absolutely. that there's this really strong religious yes, Christ-like overtone to this painting. Yeah, but also withholding. It's so fucked it's up. It's really fucked like, up. Like, he's presented as this sort of godlike scientist, like, engineer. I mean, he he's creating, like, this um, assistive technology, basically, is how his career apparently started. And then at a certain point, he just went way off the deep end on the mutant thing, which kind of makes sense for his character. It's just interesting. I like... I like how much they do for Trask in this movie, basically. I mean, they give him a lot more than the comic books do. I think I think for Trask in the comics, he actually has William Strikers. We talked about this in his highlight back in X-Men, the animated series, but his mm-hmm. he basically has William Strikers movies storyline where he's like, my kids are mutants and I fucking hate it. Like, that's his whole deal. Anyway, so then we go back to a gay road trip of Logan, Hank, and Charles, like sharing a car together and pulling up to the Maximovs. Uh, they're all like also all arguing about who's driving the car correctly which is really funny and i was like it is funny i like these scenes this is why i like this movie honestly yeah same so they get to peter's house and a lot of these are additional director's cut scenes that just include the idea that pietro has two sisters basically is what they tell you because you know wanda's upstairs right i guess and we never meet her but she exists um and then we get to see evan peters as pietro that's right and it's fun. He's playing ping pong against himself in the basement. He's kind of a man child. I remember thinking it, uh, when I first saw this movie, it was interesting that Evan Peters seems a little old for this role, which he is. I mean, he just he's not a teenager. He's like in his 30s. Yeah, I felt like he was a little too old for this role. Also, um, I also want to make a comment about Lorna for their two seconds. She's like, I'm a princess. What are you? Logan's like, I'm the Wolverine. I was like, okay, thanks, Logan. Yeah, that I think they cut that scene as well. For They a- did because she wasn't in the original cut at all. And the reason they have her say that is as a like Easter egg that she's like the princess, the princess of, Genosha. of Genosha. Sure. I don't know. And then they're like, go bug your sister. And she's like, she bugs me. But yeah, now you're right that Peter is like 35 years old. Uh, no, I don't know. How, I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but he's like, well, he's 35 now. So he was probably in his late 20s when he filmed this, but he still comes off like a man child in a weird way and i i don't know if that's intentional well i think he's supposed to be like 21 or something like that i i don't know honestly because i think he is supposed to be depicted as a failure here right like his mother is it feels like it could very easily be a situation where like he is in his 20s and is i mean he's literally in his mother's basement folks yes yes that's what i'm <laughs> saying is that i'm like i think maybe the age is intentional i don't think he's right. supposed to is, be a is teenager. That he is too old quote unquote to still be living with his mother but he just doesn't give a shit about moving out or really doing anything he doesn't have a job he's stealing like hostess cupcakes and like ho-hos and stuff cupcakes and twinkies if we had the power to run at high speed and steal shit we would absolutely at that age at like 21 20 stealing twinkies pac-man machines well i mean maybe but it's like he's way later than 21 though is what i'm saying he's like 29 stealing ho-hos you know what i mean also for the record this means that the person standing with emma in that credit scene ryan has got to be tommy mm. oh that's a good point because pietro would be in his 40s at that well point. he was kind of old I like there that. i felt like he was an adult in that scene i don't know if it's supposed to be pietro though i do i like your headcanon more that it's not quicksilver and that it's tommy i think that makes more sense and i like that and i think that's what it should be but i think i like that too i mean that's probably not what actually is but i like that theory i don't know if it's any 
anything. Honestly, I don't know if they thought through that scene. <laughs> to be totally honest, I think they did. I I mean, like that Emma Frost. But Ryan, is... Emma Frost is the wrong age all the time. Like she's always the wrong age, no matter what. Okay, well, there's already two Emma Frosts in this universe, so there's. That. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't work. Okay. Anyway, so. Uh, Peter Parker runs through everyone's pockets and he's like, yes. oh, these are who you are. And Logan's yeah. like, when I knew him, he wasn't young because then he was older and we fucked. And I was like, Logan, <laughs> stop. stop. Logan keeps being like, I'm from the future. And like everyone is just staring at him like, why, okay. why is he like, still doing I do this? like this line here where Peter's like, oh, do you guys see anything strange here? Because no one would believe you if you told them that. And I was like, yes. uh, what? And they're like, actually, that's what we're here for. We need you to break into the, the Pentagon. Pentagon. And Peter's like, prison break? You know that's illegal, right? And Logan just looks at all the stolen shit. And he goes, uh... <laughs> Pietro's not yeah. into it. I'm just going to keep calling him Pietro, folks. I, we Sorry. have to. It's fucking stupid that that's not it's his name. Stupid. Very dumb. Like, why would you name him Maximoff? Yeah. But then change it to Peter. That because, makes no sense. Because that gets around contractual obligations oh, at that yeah. point. If you That's say true. Peter Max, right. the only reason why it has that is because Fox sucks. And now they're in the MCU and we can figure out what happens. I don't know. I Who keep on saying this. Cares? Every time we record anything, Ryan Pagella is like, now the X-Men are in the MCU where they belong and all these Fox <laughs> films don't even matter anymore. It's like, right. Okay, but I like this one, Ryan. Like, I know, on. I know, I know. <laughs> Whatever. But he's not, he's not interested in doing this until Xavier is like, oh, it's also the Pentagon. Yes. And, and then his <laughs> eyes light up and he's like, oh, I want to fucking break into the Pentagon. He also is like not quite. He's like, why should I trust you guys? And Xavier's like, show them Logan. And Logan like unzips his pants, pulls out his cock and it like grows three little claws. And he's like, oh, you're one of us. And we're like, yeah. OK, thanks for that horror show image. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, So Logan shows his bone claws and then there is a funny line where Peter's like, claws. that's cool, but it's disgusting. I like that line. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Oh, my God. Like, neat. Ew. (laughs) I like it. Um, So then we go straight to the Pentagon and they're there for a tour and Beast is wearing a hat. I don't know why. And a fanny pack, but it's, of course, in classic Beast fashion, it's like a Banjo-Kazooie fanny pack that has like a thousand things in it. I love it. He looks like such a huge nerd. I just like the styling of Beast in this movie, honestly. Um, So the tour guide is like giving a tour of the Pentagon and all the horrifying things that the U.S. government has done. (laughs) And meanwhile, Pietro is sneaking around, using his powers, disguising himself as a guard and duct taping a guard to the wall. It's fun. I feel like uh, Pietro's hair makes it so obvious that he's not supposed to be there, but everybody just kind of goes with it for some reason. Right. And he does look really, he looks much younger in these scenes, I think. Yes. Than he does when they talk to him in that basement. Like they, they make him look very fresh faced so that he looks even more out of place among all of these other like military cops. I know they should just let him stay looking old. Also, I love that Hank disables the security remotely by changing it. So the signal shows episodes of Sanford and Sons. Yes. I thought that was funny too. I liked that. And then everyone in the security room of the Pentagon's like, what the fuck is this? And then they cut to one guy who's laughing because he's legitimately just watching the show. I know. I liked that too. I liked that too. Um, So Pietro goes over to his dad 
his dad Magneto and breaks him out by like putting his hands on the glass and moving his hands really quickly so that it shatters the glass. Okay, so he his thing is that he's delivering because every time Magneto gets broken out of prison, it involves food. Yep. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened when Mystique broke him out next to for the record. I would not have noticed that. Yeah, that's the only time they interact with him is by bringing him food. Pietro slides him food and there's a note inside that says mind the glass. And it's because the top of this like fucking weird ass cell that they've got Magneto in is all like all glass. Yeah. At the top. And the note says mind the glass and he looks up and Pietro puts his hands on it and starts doing the vibrating thing. And Eric, in what I can only call a brief moment of complete insanity, gets up and turns his eyes up to the glass. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, didn't you read the note? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think he's going to do up there, bro? Write his name on it? Like, why are you staring right at it? And then, of course, on cue, the glass shatters. The glass shatters. The glass shatters. It, fo- it falls all over Magneto, too. Yes. Like, he, really, he doesn't, like, get out of the way at all. And I feel like there, he could have stood, like, in a corner. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so he just like, stands no, there. I need to watch this. this he stands cool. there, gets covered, covered in shards of glass. And then he uses his insane upper arm strength to, like, basically pull himself out of the cell. I was like, yes. why did that work? But, okay, I guess he's doing nothing but push-ups. Bro, do you even? lift he does apparently does lift and then there is that funny line about whiplash where he's like i'm just waiting for the doors to open and Magneto's like they're all gonna shoot us and pietro's like listen i'm waiting for that to happen and like puts his hand on his dad's neck and his dad is like what are you doing and pietro just just under explains the scenario because he isn't like listen i have speed powers don't worry about yeah, it i know i love it this is so you don't break your neck. It's like, what? And then they just yeah. instantly fly down the hallway. It's like, like he picks just... him up, runs really quickly. And then Magneto feels like shit for a second because the human body isn't meant to travel that quickly. <laughs> and they're in the elevator together. This is where he says the stupid James Brown line that makes no sense. I don't know karate, but I know crazy. Oh, yeah. Although, OK, th- you're right. That joke is stupid. But there is a funny bit. Where he says it and Pietro looks at the guard who's still duct taped to the inside of the elevator and the guard legitimately has like one of those "Eh," expressions. (laughs) Yeah, but before that, though, Pietro says, so what did you do? How'd you get in here? And Magneto goes, oh, it's for killing the president. And Peter turns to the guard like, oh, fuck. And they exchange a look and the guard is like, yeah, why did you break him out? Why did you do this? He's like, Peter just did it for fun. Like, doesn't know what's going on. These little interactions with the guard that he has duct taped to the wall. Actually kind of awesome. Very funny. I liked that. So then, uh, oh, we go to Logan and Savior. And Savior is like pretending to be fbi but like poorly and like doing a weird monologue to the guards where he's like uh where's cb fbcid and yeah. logan just kills them and is like why were you talking <laughs> he okay. literally turns to him and says you don't yeah. yeah i know it's like really funny because xavier's going like i'm part of a b c d e f i one two three and logan just like slowly turns and looks at xavier like what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> It's funny 
because it, I feel like it's supposed to be evidence of the fact that Xavier doesn't know how to do anything when he doesn't have mind control powers over people. Like, he doesn't know how to, like, talk to other people or, like, have a cover story. He just, like, walks in. And he's like, listen, I don't know how to get past these guards. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, so he's just riffing. And so then Logan kills them. They're in, like, a mess hall, basically. This is going to matter because it's, like, where Pietro does the best scene in the movie later. So they're, like, standing in there. They set off the sprinkler system somehow. It's a lockdown. Well, first, Peter says a really important line where he's in the elevator and with uh, fucking Magneto. And he says, they said you could control metal. You know, my mom used to know a guy that could do that. And like, Magneto's eyes like widen for a second because it's like, he's like, oh, shit. I I actually don't know if Magneto figures it out, but... What Pietro does, I think, is the character who in that moment, his eyes widen because he's like, wait a second, is this guy my dad? Well, I think they both kind of have a moment here, but it's never really spoken about. I know that's like Peter's whole fucking arc in Apocalypse, which they don't finish it. And I'm like, yeah, they don't. So then the doors open and Maggie goes, Charles and Xavier's like, fuck you! Fuck you! Like, punches him in the face and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm just going to point out that Xavier... I like and then like I don't know what's going on and then they stand really close to each other and I'm like are you guys angry or are you gonna make out like I really don't know what's gonna happen here because their noses are edging closer to each other and I'm like okay come on Ryan you know what this come on I know, you're acting like, like this isn't normal human behavior I know Xavier's like I fucking hate you but maybe a little kiss will make me feel better I don't know I was like yeah they all, also like Magneto points out that Charles is walking and he's like uh, what's going on here? And of course, it's going to be revealed that this is because Charles is doing the unthinkable in Eric's mind, which is taking this weird drug that neutralizes his powers. Because they, they are about to get caught. Right. And the guards run in. Yes, they are. And Magneto's like, Charles frees them. And <laughs> he's just like, so funny story. <laughs> <laughs> and Magneto's like, okay, cool. I'll just kill all of them. And to which every, he picks up all the knives in the kitchen and then everything freezes. And then Peter, Quicksilver walks forward and he's like, anyway, I'm going to eat some of this food, put on my headphones and just like run around the room really fast. Like, Well, time in a bottle place. Yes. Yes. That's, the, that's the piece to resistance of this scene is that he's doing all this stuff while they're going time. Time in a bottle. Yeah. First thing that I'd like to do. Yeah, it's it. actually a oh, really good it was scene. Really funny. It is great. And it was really famous. It. I mean, they did a lot of parodies of this scene afterwards. It's one of the... I think it's famous because it was one of the first super slow motion scenes with somebody running around like this that had been done in animation. Was this before... This must have been after the um, coffee episode of Futurama. Yeah, it was after that. Yeah, it would have been after that. That would have happened way beforehand if this is 2014. But, like, that wasn't being used in like CG cinematography. Yeah, like yet. live right. action. That was, that was animation. But that is one of my very favorite episodes of Futurama. So it is great. Um, but this scene became famous because it's just so fucking impressive. And also you get to see this display of precisely how fast Pietro can go, which is just absurd. Yeah. And they also I remember in production at the time before they had even released it, there were a lot of people who had worked on that scene saying we got to work with a lot of new camera technology that hadn't existed before this movie. So like this was really the first of its kind really besides like the matrix i guess you could argue right and it is cool mm-hmm. well they, i think they're using like 3d camera movements and stuff like right. that so that you can actually see the entire 
scene from different right. angles and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, and then they kind of recreate it again. And I think Apocalypse and it's not as good where he's like saving everybody in the mansion. They do another scene. And you know what? Apocalypse also really isn't that good of a movie. No, so. I know. But that one scene is at least fun to watch. I'll say that much. And so this scene is a lot of fun to watch. And then like it's great. after he moves all the bullets away from yeah. them shooting all of their friends, everything just like explodes into a moment of chaos and everybody just falls down except for, you know, Xavier Magneto <laughs> and Logan. He makes two guys punch each other. He makes somebody punch himself. He makes two guys knock themselves yeah. each other out with a gun. Also, like, it's probably worth noting that Charles immediately puts his hand on Magneto's chest as soon as he thinks Magneto's going to be shot. So for, like, this entire scene, they're, like, hugging in the background <laughs> the entire time. And I feel like that is another thing that they put in this movie to, like help the ship along because they're like oh even though they're fighting with each other as soon as charles thinks eric is going to be shot he immediately is like oh my god my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) and there's a great there's a great shot during the slow-mo of um pietro moving the bullets but the camera is from behind xavier and eric yeah it's a very tight shot so that the rule of threes like the the left and right framing is eric and Xavier's heads and they're looking like towards at each other and you kind of I completely expected Pietro to do like a bayonetta thing where he like makes a heart shape of bullets in the middle mm-hmm. of the space between them and yeah. <laughs> some shit like that because part yeah. of me was like he's looking at this and going oh this is what's happening <laughs> yeah like he kind of looks at them and it's like a family photo like they're posed together and like Magneto's son is between them, like smiling at them. Like, I do feel like there is a certain kind of like parent child situation, parent trap situation here. So that's fun. Uh, They all come back. Everybody's either dead or knocked out. And Pietro's like, you're welcome, everybody. And let me see. Um, Well, they they say goodbye to Quicksilver. They're like, we're getting on a plane. Goodbye. Yeah. And Pietro's like, cool. Bye. I'm not here for the rest of the film. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then we go into, I would argue is my favorite scene in the movie yeah. because I've always loved this scene, like a lot. The plane scene? Yeah. And Magneto good. is just sitting there. Michael Fassbender's busy being like a hot babe and like he looks over to Logan and he's like, so where the fuck did Xavier get you? And Logan's like, well, I came from the future because Charles and you sent me here. Every time he says this, I laugh. Magneto's like, uh, okay. But then, then Xavier is like, He's like, like Xavier fucking like runs into the room and he's like, or he's sitting there and he's just like, Magneto, you're a piece of shit. You fired that bullet into me and I know you did it on purpose. And Magneto's like, dude, there were like guns everywhere and you were like running into that and I couldn't stop everything. And Xavier's like, no, no, you took everything from me. And he like runs at Magneto and Beast gets up. No, Beast is flying the ship. I don't know. I think Logan gets up. Beast is piloting it. So Logan gets up and Magneto oh I gotta love this line he just goes let him come and so Xavier like throws himself against Magneto it's like basically beating his hands against his chest being like oh you do you hate you you did all these things to me and ruined my life you took mystique for me too and it was like oh my god and then (laughs) then fucking Magneto very he goes from like very a slow build of being calm to being so angry where he's like he just starts listing off mutants names from first class where he's like emma banshee azazel angel and he just keeps on leading these and he's like where were you charles and meanwhile like the plane is fucking like crumbling. going out of control and crumbling yeah. and like 
Beast is like, Eric, Eric, I, you're going to crash the plane. <laughs> and so Maggie is like starting to walk slowly down the fucking aisle. And he's like, all mutant and brothers who were fucking killed by humans. Where the fuck were you, Charles? Where were you, Beast? Fucking hiding and pretending who you are, pretending you're human. Where the fuck were you? Where everyone was fucking dying. And Xavier's like screaming. And it's so <laughs> good. The best part, though, to me, is that in the background... Logan is just sitting and watching this and being like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I love that. <laughs> and I love I love the ending as well for that same reason. He is so over it. Right. So like after all this, like after Beast is screaming Eric's name, Maggie lets go of the plane. The plane recovers. Xavier literally runs off like flailing into the cockpit, which is so funny because it's like, yeah, yeah you got your ass handed to you because like actually Magneto's right here. But like you you guys weren't actually helping anybody. You've just been hiding in your mansion. Yeah. People are dying and being experimented on. And you're like busy being like, well, how can we appease humans? That's basically what's going on here. Well, also, they were like rich and closeted. Like yeah, that, is, that is the Beast and Xavier story is they were rich. They were closeted. They shut their doors and they were like, bye, everybody. We don't have to worry about this. Oh, I know. And so then Logan goes, so you were always an asshole then. (laughs) And then Magneto is like, I'll take it. We were best buds in the future. And Logan's like, didn't start that way, bub. It was kind of rocky. We spent a long time trying to take you down. And Magneto is like, how did that go? How'd that work out for you? Yeah. (laughs) And, And Logan's like, you're like me. You're a survivor. And I was like, damn. I love that scene. Me too, but okay, but then Logan says, Logan goes, so do you want to pick all that shit up? Which is the best <laughs> line in the movie. I do appreciate that he was not worried that the plane was going to crash at all. He's just no. like, all right, yeah, Charles and Eric are like... Having a time. Doing their pre-makeup sex fight thing again. <laughs> Get it out He's of your system. Like lighting a cigar in the background. Yeah, he does nothing during this yeah. whole fight. Logan's just sitting there like, oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> That's why it's so so funny, though, because then at the end, he's just like, you got to pick up all the shit that fell on the the ground. (laughs) All those like plates and shit go fix that like what's funny is that magneto just kind of like nods his head like agreeing to that he's gonna pick it up but i'm like okay it's so funny he's like yeah i did cause this to happen fair legit fair cop yeah fair cop oh my god so then we go to paris it's like the night before the paris peace accords with vietnam this is when raven is at a party disguise disguises herself so she's her <laughs> she is disguised as jennifer lawrence right <laughs> wearing a sexy yeah, outfit she's disguised as jennifer lawrence and there's a bunch of vietnamese like politicians and generals and stuff that are basically like whores we love whores and then they're they're surrounded like they're they're basically surrounded by you know sex workers and strippers and all this mm-hmm. other good stuff partying right. drinking feeding them drinks and partying and all this other good shit and raven is like cool i'm gonna steal that one and she basically seduces one of the Vietnamese generals gets her back to her hotel room and he's just like, so okay, that's so okay. But the way that she does it, she's like spills her drink and she's like, or she spills his drink and she's like, Oh, oopsie. And he's like, that was my fault. And she's like, Oh, was it? <laughs> I'm, I'm a blonde American woman, but she's, she's speaking Vietnamese. And she's like, listen, I, I'm an interpreter. So I speak Vietnamese and that's going to yeah. really turn you on. And he's like, wow, that's that awesome. Really and she's hot. like, want to have sex? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I do. He orders a bottle of Johnny Walker to take back to the hotel room to fuck with her, which is 
super funny to me. It is and funny. like, yes, the fuckiest alcohol on He's planet. like, I'm going to impress you by buying the cheapest fucking scotch okay, I can find. Guys, you know they got a Johnny Walker sponsorship for this. Yes. Like, they say the brand name. Like, come on. It's literally, yes. that's the only reason it's in here. So they take the bottle of Johnny Walker. There is a lot of whiskey drinking in this movie, by the way. There's quite a lot of whiskey. They get back to the room. The Vietnamese general suddenly becomes super racist out of nowhere. He does. Yeah. Uh, like, sorry, let me say that again. He becomes a super racist caricature out of nowhere. <laughs> he does. He's not really bad to that point. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, I'm going to say the sucky fucky $1 line from South Park. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Me? I know. I forgot about that. I was like, what? what is he? He say? says, close off. Close off. And he does yeah. say, show me more, baby. It's it's a lot. And that's when she turns blue back into Mystique and high kicks him in the throat and staples him to a wall with her foot. Yeah. Yep. Although, OK, so my no. <laughs> <laughs> Two notes from this scene uh, in, in order. We're an hour in and Raven hasn't fucked a single person to death, which is true. They've actually gone out of their way to make sure to make that she has not killed anybody. She's knocked people out, but she has not killed anybody. And the movie has gone out of its way to point that out. And then instantly she gets this. And I'm like, well, I guess this counts if it's like a foot fetish thing. Yeah, no, I count it. I absolutely count it because she took him to the room for sexy times yeah. and the sexy times were death. But he does. He doesn't die either. So, <laughs> yeah, she, she doesn't kill him. I don't I don't know. He doesn't come back. She doesn't kill him. The, the movie shows him groaning Breathing. and passing out when she takes her foot off his throat. Right. Like okay, but he doesn't ground. show up to the meeting the next day because she is him. Right. I, well, you know, she like duct taped him to an elevator or something. Yeah, exactly. Right, fair I enough, mean, she probably had enough. some handcuffs and like he woke up the next morning. <laughs> it's Mystique. Of course she had handcuffs. Come on. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I never turned blue. You were just on drugs and really drunk and like, I'll come ride you later, but you got to stay here attached to the bed. Bye. <laughs> so speaking of being taken out by Mystique, I think this is where we should be taken out to an intermission. What oh, do we okay. say to that? How's that sound? Bye. Um, I think that's good. I like just scream fine. Da, 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 <laughs> Let's go out to the lobby. All right, well, we we have to explain. Uh, we're, we'll be back next week with the second half of this because we want to make it easier for everyone. We've already been talking for two hours. I don't know how long the second half We are be. not even halfway through the movie yet. Jazz no, we are. We oh, are halfway are we? through the movie. My yes, God. Okay. In terms of page count. So only two more hours to go. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I know. That's just a two and a half hour long movie. Okay. So let's do some quick plugs before we yeah, go. So if you're enjoying this and you plan on coming back someday. <laughs> We're going to just say you can find us all over the place. Maddie, why don't you uh, figure out? I mean, I mean, Matt, oh, uh, 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 I can't speak. Maddie, help. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you can find us at the Mutant Ages on every social media. You can find me at Mitty Myers. Um, well, Ryan, why don't you look up our highest tier Patreon supporters? And in the interim, Todd, why don't you tell the people of the world where they can find you on the Internet? I was going to say I was going to make my traditional two Twitter accounts one only tells lies and one only tells the truth. Yeah. I would say just just go to Dr. Todd Harper. I frankly have given up on being nice to people on that account. Um, <laughs> well, I, okay, so here's... Here's here's the different differentiation now is that like when I still talk about like media criticism and all that other good stuff, like the 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 stuff where I am like, oh, right, you have a Ph.D., you stupid bitch. Uh, that yeah. goes on Dr. Todd Harper on Twitter. Me complaining about Elden Ring and making dick jokes <laughs> is on 
Arcanist Fox. Pick your poison. I recommend both. I think they're both worth a follow. I recommend them both also. And I say this every time. I am in the, the Mutant Ages Discord, and I'm also shit at checking Discord. So I'm very sorry. Yes, we do have a Discord, though, and people can come check that out and talk about this movie there. So, Ryan, why don't you tell us about our highest tier Patreon supporters? Well, our highest tier Patreons are all Mystique, but actually they're not. Whoa. They're Samuel B, Soren B, and Zach S. Thank you for being our top tier supporters. It helps keep Yay! us in business and keeps us creating content like this one if you want to contribute and help us you can do that by going to our patreon.com slash the mutant ages that's always a great way to help support us and if you can't afford to kick us a buck that's okay too you can help us out just by sharing it with your friends or leaving a review on whatever software you listen to our podcast on yeah right on all right that's it for this week We'll see you next time. Right, we'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Da 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 da. The mutant.